Welcome to the Inflow Golf Podcast, where we talk with golf people about equipment, courses, and playing the game of life in the flow state of mind. Hosted by club fitter, golf nut, and optimist, Tony Hopkins, it's time to talk shop on the Inflow Golf Podcast. Are you playing clubs older than 10 years old? If so, you are missing out on performance. Tools wear down over time, and it's important to have sharp tools if you're trying to shoot your best. This is the time of year to look at your golf bag and identify what needs improvement. From driver to lob wedge, there's new clubs coming on the horizon. So we're going to get a sneak peek into what companies are preparing to release in 2020. On episode two, we're going to talk about the new equipment, but also the equipment that's sitting in your garage and how that can be used to grow the game. Now, I've seen a few of the brands and what they're preparing to launch over the offseason. A couple of them have already started to do so. I know Cobra just released their Speed Zone line of drivers, fairway woods, and rescues, uh, as well as uh, single length and regular length irons. Now, these things come loaded with Cobra Arcos sensors in the grips. Super cool technology there. I mean, a lot of the people that really want to dive into their own game and see all the data need Arcos. So I'm going to put a link to where you can find Arcos or at least just read up more about it. I'm not endorsed by them, but this at least gets you guys informed as what's out there. So Cobra is going to launch those new clubs stock with those grip sensors. Uh, I think you still have to buy some sort of subscription, but then again, you know, I'm, I'm not necessarily in tune with it yet. I I still would love to try them. Uh, And, you know, I use an app called hole 19 uh, or play 19. I think it's hole 19, but essentially gives me all of the availability to track my club distances, to track, you know, how I'm playing throughout the day. So for example, I track it all on my watch. If I hit a drive over to the right rough, I can track that with just a little bit of with a tapping of an arrow, you know, diagonal right. If I hit it in the fairway, there's a, a circle, you know, and then if I hit it left, there's a diagonal left. So over the course of my season, I've been doing this and I can see that I've been all over the place, <laughs> number one. But number two, I can just see my tendencies and see where I need to improve. So, you know, one of the big things was putting. I, I went through a putter change this year. And I just played the other day at Seaview and I, I played with 32 putts, one of which was a three putt. And I feel pretty good about the way I was putting as well as my short game. So, you know, the big topic today I want to talk about is just longevity of clubs and uh, your equipment. And when is the right time for you to upgrade? So, you know, obviously companies are going to come out with new clubs every year or every two years for some companies. That doesn't necessarily mean you need to upgrade every year. You know, I see people in fittings come to me with, say, last year's driver, and they want to hit it against this year's. You know, we'll maybe see a 1% increase or sometimes even a decrease. And that's just me being perfectly honest with you guys is that, you know, new doesn't always equal better. So I'm always excited to try the new products because for me, it's it's like a... Uh, it's a way to tell how the company is innovating and testing new technology. So Cobra, the, the really cool thing about Cobra, and I'll, I'll put a link to the Cobra line that you can read more about from Golf WRX. 
but they use carbon titanium together in the crown and create kind of a very aerodynamic chassis that to me seems like wet, like almost automobile engineering. But, you know, the theme, the concept behind Speed Zone was looking at F1 uh, formula racing drivers and looking how, you know, the cars were shaped, but also how they moved. So, you know, the one detail that I really like about this driver is the two, it almost looks like two exhaust pipes coming out the center backing of the main weight in the back. So, like I said, I'll put a link to you, to the, uh, to the description of everything. The write-up from Golf WRX was amazing. They have a lot of in-hand photos. Um, it, it wasn't a shock to many people. It looks like a lot of people got early access into the club, which is really exciting. But it was the first time launched to the public. And Cobra did a really good job at marketing the launch, You know, teasing it a little bit uh, a few days prior, and then, boom, just drops everything. Uh, I don't believe you can buy them now. I believe they launch in mid-January. But I'm excited to see new clubs come out. Secondly, another launch that came out, at least for the pros, was the Titleist Vokey SM8 wedges. Now, these are, you know, a loyalist type of club. It's a purist type of club. The people that I see that play Vokeys are the ones that have played it for a very long time. You know, or ones that at least just appreciate the design and also the practicality behind the wedge. So Bob Vokey is a famous wedge designer. He works exclusively with Titleist and produces wedges, uh, also known as the spin-milled wedges. And for the past, say, 10, 15 years, they've come out with, you know, an SM series. And this is just another innovation of that SM line. So it's exciting to see the pros put them right in the bag. There's a lot of uh, Instagram pictures I've seen from different Titleist pros, uh, JT Poston, Zach Blair, um, you know, I, I can name them all, but they all put the wedges right in the bag. You know, they they don't really question it. And I think I see the same thing amongst amateurs. They they just look at the newest thing and they say, all right, it's time to swap in the the new series. And for people playing a lot, you know, when I say, a lot, I mean, maybe once a week and they're playing 50 times a year or 40 times a year, you're going to wear down your grooves in your wedges just due to how much play you have or how much practice you do. So it's practical to upgrade your wedges every year, or at least buy two sets of a wedge that you really like that you can, you know, use for a long time. You know, pros do that. So It's exciting to see new stuff come out, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's time to upgrade. In fact, it's actually a great time to take advantage of, you know, last year's or or the previous generation model, because they're going to be discounted pretty heavily to move out that inventory. You know, what I saw in retail stores was insane markdowns, at least by 20, 30%, you know, cutting the profit margin just to move it out of the store. And it still wouldn't necessarily move. So you know, if you're, say you're a weekend golfer or you don't really have, you know, thousands of dollars to spend on, on clubs, look at what's being put on sale now. I know the SM7 wedges, previous wedges are probably 120 bucks per wedge, which is, I mean, $50 cheaper than a stock new tailor-made high toe or a mill grind two wedge. So, you know, again, it's a great time to find value. 
Um, I'm going to look at some actual, I'm actually going to find some deals and put a little piece together for you guys. So you can see, you know, what is the, what's a real advantage of buying clubs in the off season versus waiting for the new generation, you know, coming in the spring. So enough about the new stuff. And I want to talk more about, you know, finding old clubs. When I say old, I mean, Clubs that have just been around for a while, but not necessarily got a lot of play. You know, there's clubs that are secondhand at Goodwill Salvation Army that I see that could go out on the golf course tomorrow and be played with just as similarly as a brand new set of clubs. At the same time, you see places like the First Tee. You know, there's a golf course around the corner for me. It's called Walnut Lane, and they have a plethora of secondhand clubs for sale. Ladies clubs, senior clubs, kids clubs, everything you can imagine. And I think that's a gateway for accessibility in golf. Just being able to have players or people come up to the game that have never been there before, have no experience or understanding of what they really need as an equipment standpoint but can just purchase a set with the guide of someone that does know what they need and then go out and enjoy the game the right way. I hate seeing people invest too much early on and then the clubs sit around and collect dust or they just play with them and they're not necessarily the right clubs for them. So let's say, for example, somebody really likes the P7 Tiger Woods blade irons, right? The only people that should be playing those irons are Tiger Woods. Let's be honest. At least from a from a control and playability standpoint. I know there's other pros that use it. Uh, I even saw Jason Day just had a build request for these. And yeah, I mean they're they're in beautiful beautiful muscle backs. But I think people just picking them up and putting them in their bag because they say TW on it would be a problem. And I remember when Nike had a victory red line back in, say, 2008, 2006. And that was essentially, you know, to commemorate the, the Sunday red shirt for Tiger Woods. So I liked seeing that series where you'd play to all different kind of golfers. But I hate when marketing gets in the way of people's enjoyment of the game. And they're almost tricked to think that they need the newest, greatest thing to go and enjoy themselves. So, you know, for me, I'm extremely lucky. You know, you could say that I'm kind of crossing my my point of view here, but I work for TaylorMade, so I get to work with the newest and greatest equipment in the world and fit it to people that are looking to upgrade to the newest stuff. You know, I unfortunately, you, you cannot custom fit any, you know, discontinued clubs, right? We just don't make them anymore. But I see the turnover of club equipment and the life cycle, which is, you know, every year, but the, the longevity of these tools is they'll last, you know, eight to 10 years of constant play. Um, maybe drivers less, you know, three to five years, but iron should be lasting people between, you know, eight to 10 years, uh, unless they are a pro and just burn through them, you know, like, like tires as a NASCAR driver. Oh, hello. I have a visitor behind me. It's my Link Siamese cat. Orzo, you want to say hi? Oh, did you hear that? She's uh, she's pretty cool. The day we brought her home, or I should say the morning we brought her home, it was like five in the morning, she naturally gravitated towards my golf clubs. 
And I don't know if she just liked the cold steel of it, but she was biting them. And, you know, she would watch me as I would do little chips or full swings in the, uh, in the living room. But anyway, um, equipment is important. It's not the end all be all. Cause you know, at the end of the day, if you go out there with a broomstick, you're not going to be able to play golf. You need to have the correct equipment. So if you're out there and you're just getting started, take advantage of secondhand club shops. Uh, Golf Galaxy will have pre-owned clubs. Dick's Sporting Goods usually does not. But there's a ton of uh, websites out there that have secondhand clubs. I'd recommend staying off eBay just because the club counterfeit market is so crazy. And it's really hard to tell the difference cosmetically, especially if you're you know, someone that doesn't look at this every day. There's a, there was actually a video I just watched from Rick Shields where he bought a M6, tailor-made M6 driver from Wish.com. And, you know, it, the first telltale that it was a bad sign that was that it was delivered in a black past, plastic bag. It was not delivered in a box. So I'm going to put a link to that video. It's really cool to see the differences between, you know, the $140 driver that you bought from Wish.com, which was counterfeit and fake and all that stuff. But it looked it looked pretty good versus the $500 authentic tailor-made M6 driver. So I'll put a link to that video. You guys can watch it uh, and see, you know, the differences for yourself. But, you know, enough about equipment uh, and life cycle. I'm excited for just the golf season turnover. Uh, You know, I was out yesterday or the other day, I'm sorry, playing and, you know, it was 45 degrees, but I just love golf in these three to four months before, say, you know, the players in March. Um, now that it's in March, but then Augusta in April, which I'm really looking forward to. We got the PGA, um, PGA, uh, show conference. Sorry, just blank there. <laughs> Equipment and merchandise show down in Orlando in January. Uh, I'm excited to go and, you know, kind of set up shop there for a couple days, try to interview a lot of people that are going to be down there. Uh, so if you are going and you're listening to this, shoot me an email. would love to meet you guys. Now, I know I've been a little contradictory today and kind of going back and forth between, say, new and old. I think the biggest thing is, you know, look at the look at your golf game. Look at how much you play. Look at how much you love the game and, you know, decide what investment you'd like to make in your tools. And I want to get back to that statement I made earlier in the episode is like you need sharp tools if you want to play your best golf. And, you know, I'm a firm believer in that, whether the tools are five years old, 10 years old, but as long as they're sharpened and they're ready to go, you are in good shape to play your best game that day. And, uh, you know, for me, that's, that's my goal is just to ensure that everybody that I meet from a club fitting perspective has every piece of their bag ready to go. So my next episode is going to be about a golf course that I played uh, I've played it many times. You know, it's it's a place I have a lot of good memories of. It's called Seaview, and it's in South Jersey. It's near Atlantic City, uh, specifically the bay, the bay Course. Uh, Donald Ross Design, host to the Shoprite Classic, the LPGA annual tournament there, usually in I think June. And then also, whoa, my cat just came completely up here and decided to hey get back here. Sorry, guys. Um, Also host to a 1942 PGA championship where Sam Snead won 
his first uh, major. So a lot of history there, really cool layout. It's, it's pure Scottish Lynx golf. You know, it's really flat, wide open, a lot of wind, uh, brutal cold wind actually. And, um, you know, just excited to go on more courses, more, do more course reviews for you guys, tell you where you can play, especially in the off season, you know, under 50 bucks per se. So like I said, Sea View Bay, usually like a hundred, 110 in the summer. Uh, I was able to play there for 45 and had a great day, had nobody in front of me. I got a, the whole place to myself. So I'm going to be making a video about that and posting that on YouTube. So make sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel. Uh, as well as the podcast if you guys are enjoying it. Uh, so until next time, guys, enjoy your golf. Enjoy your weekend. Uh, we'll be doing this, like I think, maybe two times a week. But I'm excited. And uh, oh, one more thing. If you guys are looking to get rid of your clubs, email me, uh, especially if you're just looking to donate them. I know a lot of people that could benefit from donated clubs. Uh, especially here in Philly in the first tee, but would love to be a connector for anybody that's just looking to offload a lot of equipment. Uh, you know, we could talk more about that. So thanks guys. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the inflow golf podcast. Please. If you found this episode interesting, it would mean the world to us. If you shared it with someone, you know, Also, check out our other episodes wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to follow the blog at inflowgolf.com. Join us next time to talk shop on the Inflow Golf Podcast. I'm Tony Hopkins. Stay positive, keep breathing, and let it flow.